Turn your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter 3, as we continue our journey through this great letter. I imagine you've had something arrive in the mailbox like I've had arrive in my mailbox before. There are times when you get like a postcard. It's like, it's a ginormous, huge postcard. You know, one of those big ones, like they've had to fold it and curl it to make it work. Or it's a really big envelope, like it stands out beyond all other envelopes. And on that postcard, many times, there's a key that is taped to it or any envelope is taped to it. You guys ever had one of those? Some of you have had them. This is participation right now because I need, I need your help. If you've got a mask on, remember, it's got to be extra head nodding. You know, you've got to help me out. So you've seen that. What are they advertising? They're advertising a car. And what they say on that advertisement is bring this car to the dealership and maybe you want a car. Bring it. And if your key unlocks the car or if your key starts the engine, you get to celebrate and drive home with a brand new you fill in the blank, whatever they're selling. Brand new truck, brand new whatever. Let's have a little bit of sharing honesty here. We're in the church. We can be real. Who's ever done it? Who's ever taken the key? So I'm going to go test it. There's one. There, there's two. There, there, okay, I think I've seen two hands. Some of you are like, and I thought about it. Honesty here. I've never done it. I've been greatly tempted. I'm like, key? Man, I'm going to go check it out. But we know. What are they doing? They're trying to hook us into some sales thing. We know that beautiful car in the front of that flyer or in that, in that envelope is not what you're going to win. You know they want your name and your number. And your, so when you show up, hey, what's your name? Fill out something. Now we can keep hammering you along. Or the time you leave, you're buying a car. And you walked in there going, I wasn't interested in the car. I just want to see if I'd win something. Now I got me a new car. We've all been tempted. Some have said that that's even a scam. There's been lawsuits about it going, there was really no car to win, there was really no key that worked, and there was tests and there were scams about it because they don't know if there was really a, a key that would really work and unlock the car and start it. Today, I want to talk with you about two keys. I promise you it's not a scam. I promise you if you capture the keys that I'm talking about, it's the key to unlocking heaven's gate and heaven's door. Today I want you to know there's only one key that will open heaven's gate. There's only one, but we have two keys. Imagine today you have two keys in your pocket or two keys in your hand. Paul lays this out in our text today. Let's look at the text, and then we're going to come and we're going to break it down. Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On the principle of works. No, but on the principle of faith. For we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one and he will justify the circumcised on the ground of their faith and the uncircumcised through their faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Father God... I want to ask you to speak in this room. God, as we dive into this text, we continue our journey through this great letter, this letter of good news, Romans. There are some just tough spots that we're going to wrestle through, Father. There's some, some tough words that are packed with meaning, and when we get them, can just unlock our lives with you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would speak in this room. Lord, I'll do my best to teach, but I pray your Holy Spirit would take my best and multiply it way beyond anything we could ask or imagine. 
I pray, Lord, you preach. You speak to every heart, to every mind, to every person here today. Lord, we're not here by accident. You want us to hear from you today. And I know you have a message for all of us. So just ask for your spirit to do the work of the spirit in this room. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at verse 27. Paul says, what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded on what principle? On the principle of works? No, but on the principle of faith. The word law has a special meaning. It does not refer to a law code of any kind of or any law system like a, a plan or a principle or a method or a way, of, a way of operating. Paul says on what principle? All boasting is excluded. It's all set aside. No one has the authority to boast. No one can claim that. Paul says not by the principle or system that makes salvation depend on works, but by the system or the plan or the process of salvation that depends upon faith. So he said, listen, no one can boast because they can't tell you, you they worked their way there. They, they are there because of, of faith. Paul says we have a choice. You can either choose works and the work key or you can choose faith, the faith key. You, you can choose law, living by the law, or you can say, I'm going to choose grace. And today, we want to wrestle with these two systems about salvation, two possible ways of getting to heaven. And here's what I want you to get today. Here's what I hope you will capture. I hope you understand there are two choices, two keys to heaven, but only one actually works. And we must choose wisely. We must choose wisely. Imagine you walk up to the gate leading to heaven. Now, I imagine the gate leading to heaven looks a whole lot better than that even. I mean, a hundred million times better than that as you walk up to the gate to heaven. But imagine walking up to the gate to heaven, and in your pocket, you have a key in the right pocket and a key in the left pocket, and, and you have these two keys, and you pull them out, and you put them in your hands, and one is the key of works, and one is the key of faith. And you say, I want to walk into heaven. In that moment, you want to choose wisely. You don't want to go, well, let me grab this key, because you want to make sure it's on lock. With that concept, look at verse 28. For we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of law. For we hold, and that word man is not from male masculinity, it's, it's human. We, it, for any person is justified by faith apart from the works of law. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible. This whole section that we've been wrestling through, starting with last week, verse 21, through the end of this week, verse 31, if you can read it and study it and you can capture it and you really get it down in your head and mind, it just sets things loose and then hopefully it sets you on fire to say, I've got to tell a friend about this gospel message. Because when Paul says in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, 17, when he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, he's referring to what we're talking about. I hope it sets you on fire. I hope in your own life you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited because now I get this idea of this faith and what it means to live in faith and I'm on that path and I have the right key in my pocket and the day I arrive I'm going to get there. But in the meantime, I'm so excited I'm going to tell somebody else. I don't want my mom or my dad to be left behind, my sister or brother to be left behind, my best friend left behind, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my cousin, my, my, my friends in the hallway. I want to share this with somebody else. So I pray we capture what we're walking in. And really capture and understand it, we go, I can, I can tell somebody about this. 
One of the most important verses in the Bible. It's the summary of the whole book of Romans. And Paul is basically saying, I'm telling you that the key that unlocks heaven's gate is the key of faith, not the key called works. Now to go back and do a little bit of review, last week we talked about a very important word, the word justified. Justified. A couple of years ago, there was a horse that won a triple, dirt, triple, triple crown. Remember that? What was the name of the horse? Justified. It was named off of this passage we were talking about. Exactly where it got, got its name. And it made me think about that yesterday, watching, watching the derby race. This word justified is used in the first eight chapters of Romans 15 times. Within eight chapters, 15 times. Here's a principle when you're trying to understand Scripture. If you see something repeated, a word or a concept repeated often, it is very important. There's some things in Scripture you only see it once or twice. I mean, it was mentioned, yeah, we need to pay attention, but it doesn't have the same value as something that's been repeated. And this word's been repeated. Justification, it's a legal term. The judge of the court justifies the, the defendant and says, there's no penalty for you. It's not the judge saying, you are not guilty. Matter of fact, the judge might look across the bench and say, you're guilty of crime A, or you're guilty of crime B. This is what your penalty should be, but I'm going to justify you. I'm going to set aside. I'm going I'm to withhold. I'm going to remove the penalty. Yes, you're still guilty, but you're not going to receive the penalty. That's the word justify or justification. When God justifies us, that means he opens the gates of heaven and he lets us in. But we must supply the key. We must supply the key. Two choices, works of law or obedience to the gospel, which is known as faith. Which key are we going to carry? Which key in life are we going to walk with? The whole idea of saved by works or saved by faith and what is a work and what is a faith is some of the most misunderstood concepts of Scripture. Um, as a matter of fact, there are many books and sermons and discussions and theologians who have written on these topics, and probably if you got four preachers up here and we started discussing this, we may have different ways of teaching it or have some different understanding of it, and so I'm not sure that you will fully agree with me today. You may walk out of here going, I've I got to do some more research on what he said. I hope you don't walk out of here going, he's crazy. I hope you'll take the time to say, Holy Spirit, help me dive in deeper. I think we can, think, I think we can um, dive in deeper in Scripture. Romans is making us do that. Romans is making us not just kind of live at the edge. Romans is saying, I'm going to take you deep. My study this week has taken me to some depths and places trying to understand more clearly the concepts of works and faith. And so I'll do my best to teach it to you today. Understanding you may walk out of here and go, i got to dive into that. But also trust. As we walk through Romans, these two concepts come back over and over and over again. And so we're going to continue these discussions. You may walk out of here and go, I think I get it. I'm not sure I totally understand it. I'm having a hard time with that concept, but that's maybe not exactly what I was taught, or that's not always been my, my understanding. But you keep walking the journey of Romans, and the Holy Spirit will reveal and teach. In the original language in the Greek, it would have read works of law. Works of law, the first key. It would have read works of law. There would not have been the word the in there, and the word law would not have been capitalized. But depending on which translation of the Bible you're looking at, many translations slide in the word the, and many translations capitalize the word law. 
Hence, I changed today, and I'm using the translation from the RSV, Revised Standard Version, because I think it's most accurate, even more accurate than the ESV that I like. And they slide that in. And what happens is, is that implies or leads us to believe that Paul is talking about the law being capital L, the law of Moses, which he's not talking about right here. But many times that's what we start to think. The NIV says, and I love the NIV. Many times when I preach, that's what I use. But it says observing the law. I don't like that translation either because that implies an obedience. And that's not good. Why is that? Because that asserts that our works of the law includes only the good things we do, which Paul's not saying either. But we start to think, if I do these good things, then God sees me as good or as acceptable. Paul's referring to any act we do in response to any of God's law commands, whether in obedience or in disobedience. Say, wait a minute, we can respond to God's law commands in disobedience? Yeah, why? Because we have free will. We have a choice. God says, here's my law commands for how to live life, but you have a choice. Will you or will you not follow? He is saying that grace, justification, is given to us apart from our works. Apart from whether we do good or we do bad, grace, being saved by faith, is apart from that. Apart from our consideration of our works, rather, we've messed up or rather we haven't. So what are works that Paul's talking about? The original language means deed, action, works, accomplishment, or something done. So we can say a work is an act done by a personal being, by God, by Jesus, by a human being, by an angel, by a demon, by a Satan. All entities there can do work. Human works equals something that we do. You did some human works this morning. You got up and took a shower, hopefully. You got up and put some clothes on. You got up and had some breakfast. You got in your car and you drove here. Those are all examples of doing something. That's a human work. Now, there's two crucial points to understand here. Faith is a work in the sense of it's something that we do. You don't just lay there and have faith. It's an action. It's something you have to take place. Remember in John 6, the crowd is following Jesus, and they're pushing Jesus, and they go to the other side of the lake, and then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent you. That's a work of faith. Believe in him. That's a work of faith. Since works is or can be something that we do, I don't believe this is what Paul is talking about in this part of Romans. The second crucial point is that sin is something we do as well. It's also a response to God's law commands. Some things we do in response to law, some are good. So how do you know that? Colossians 1.10 tells us that some things we choose to do are good, but some are evil. Colossians 1.21 tells us sometimes we make choices that are evil. Think back just about your last week. Has every choice you've made this week been good? Probably not. Let's be honest. Thought life, speech life, behavior life, many times we'll say, well, okay, there are some things I did good. There's some things I didn't do good. I mean, I had one this past week. I told my wife about it. I was on Greendale Road. I was getting ready to turn on Town Road. I was before we got to the double turn lane, there in front of the Coca-Cola plant, and this crazy lady was behind me up on my back end. I was like, man, she gets off me. She passed me on Greendale Road, <laughs> went to the oncoming traffic. So we turned left, and I said, I want to get up on her and blow my horn. And I was like, Dad, don't do that. Dad, don't do that. What was my response? I'm going to go get her. <laughs> we all do that kind of thing, don't we? 
And those are works. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. And that's what Paul's talking about. There is really no basis for excluding either one of those here in 28. You can't say that's just for good works. So what can we conclude Paul's talking about here? Here and in other locations regarding salvation uses the term works or works of law with a very special meaning. In Paul's usage, it cannot mean just something that we do. So works of law, work, is anything we do in response to the Creator's laws. You might want to write that word down if you're taking notes. The Creator's laws. Let's, let's take this idea of works of law a little further. Why would we say this means anything we do in response to the Creator's laws? Because we can wake up and just do whatever we want to do. We have free will. But the Creator has put together laws or plans or purposes. Are there other kinds of divine commands? Absolutely there are. This is true because God relates to us in two distinct roles. He's our Creator, which means He gives us laws and commands to which, as His creatures, we must respond. In other words, he says, here's how to live life. Here's how to have a blessed life. Here's how to avoid pain in your life. Here's good choices of life. And so he lays out laws. He lays out directives. He says, this is how to have life. And then he's also our redeemer. In other words, he gives us instructions or gospel commands to which we as lost sinners must respond if we want to be saved. He says, here's how to be saved. And so he operates with us as our creator, and he operates with us as a redeemer. The idea of a redeemer is like something, uh, someone's in the water drowning, and you throw them a rope. You say, grab the rope. They grab on, and you can rescue them. That's what God says as a redeemer. Grab the rope. And he tells us how to grab the rope. It's like the difference between the role of government in your life and the role of your doctor. Government gives you laws. Whether you like them or you don't like them, you agree or you disagree, they say, here's laws of the land, and here's how we as a society will function. Here's the laws that we will follow, and we are required to obey the laws. If you don't obey the law, there's a penalty for that. There's a consequence to suffer if you're caught for not obeying it. Well, your doctor gives you instructions on how to get well. You go to the doc and say, doc, I've been feeling this, this, and this. They run some tests. When they're all done, they say, okay, I want you to go home. I want you to take this medicine. I want you to get some rest, drink some, uh, you know, bowl of soup. And in a few days, you'll start feeling better. Now, you can ignore those directions from your doctor. You'll probably continue to be sick and maybe even get more sick. See, in our lives, God fulfills both of these roles. God is the creator. He's the lawgiver. He's the one that tells us how to live a holy life. That's why we need the scriptures, all the scriptures, the Old and the New Testament. But as a Redeemer, He tells us how to become saved and continue to live in that saved condition in your life. Works of law are related to God's law or God's role as a creator and lawgiver. It's not a bad thing. See, all of God's law codes and commandments are good. Sometimes we think, oh, religion or, oh, Christianity has all these lists and all these rules and all these laws. Yeah, there are lists, there are rules, there are laws, there are guidelines. But in Romans chapter 7, it says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Why is it good? Because our Creator loves us. Our Creator cares about us as His creatures. And He says, I have a plan. I have a way for you to live Follow my laws, follow my commands. A law code is good because it functions as an operating manual. Now, I know us guys are guilty. We don't do much looking at operating manuals. 
What do we do? We get a new leaf blower. We get a new chainsaw. We get a new uh, desk to put together, a new dresser. And we just start ripping into it, start putting it together. And then we go, man, this ain't working. I'm missing something. What am I doing wrong? And what do our wives say? Did you look at the manual? No, honey, manual. And then you go and look at the manual and you go, oh, I missed number three or I'm missing this part. And and then we realize I kind of messed things up. And our wives are back there going, I told you so. I told you, kind of quietly thinking that. But that's what happens in life. God says, here, I, I have a manual for you. I have a manual how to live life. And God says, I'm the creator, and I created you. In other words, you are the product, so to speak, and you have a way to live. And he says, I want to show you how to do that. Here's the difference, though. There's moral laws that apply at different times for different folks. There's slightly different editions of this operating manual, different law codes because there are different versions of the product, but different circumstances require different editions for this law code. Since all human beings are the same in most ways in large part, the moral law stays really consistent, like Romans 2 talks about. Romans 2 says, hey, this is for everybody. But some individuals like Noah... Abraham, apostles, they were given their own customized instructions. The Jews, they had a special edition of God's law, the law of Moses, that applied to them in the Old Testament covenant era. They had a unique role in God's overall redemptive plan. All those people played roles, but some of those roles, some of those laws don't apply today. But with the new covenant, everyone, everyone now has the new edition of God's law found in the New Testament. The point is that God, as a creator and lawgiver, is always relating to us in this role. I created you. I've laid out some laws, some plans, some directives of how to function in life. What then are the works of law as Paul uses them in Romans 3 and 28? Very important. A work of law is whatever response anyone makes to whichever one of the creator's law codes he or she happens to be living under. In other words, our law or law code delineates the things we creatures must do because the Creator says so. All human beings, whether they're saved or whether they're lost, are under obligation to obey the Creator's laws. Hey, we can ignore them. When we ignore them, then we invite our own pain and our own suffering, our own trial and our own difficulties. Works of law are all the things we do in response to the law code, whether that be Good or whether that be bad, whether that be in obedience or whether that be in disobedience, we respond to God as our creator. It's law code. The law and the works of law includes all the creator's law codes, but not just the law of Moses. So we go back to the beginning, I said, when the word the with a capital L is slid in, we're missing a whole lot of what Paul's talking about in this text. It should not be capitalized, create some of the confusion that I think has created some of the debates for centuries now. Anything we do in our daily lives has a moral dimension, an element of rightness or wrongness. It's in the work of law. This includes just about anything we do. Now, the second key we consider then is the obedience to the gospel, or simply said, faith. Obedience to the gospel, also known as faith. We're looking at another kind of something we do. Most things we do are in the works of law, but not everything we do falls in that category. Why this? Because our relationship with God is not limited to the idea of creator to creature. It's God is more than just a lawgiver. 
what kind of relationship would you have with your kids if all you did is, here's the laws and the rules, and that's all you interacted with them? That would be a faulty relationship. It would be a very one-sided relationship. It would not feel like a very loving relationship. So God is our redeemer. It's like that doctor. As our redeemer, he wants us to save us from our penalty of sins, to cure the disease of sin, and to deliver us from death. You go to the doctor, say, Doc, I'm really sick. I would not think the doctor would say, yep, you're going to die, see ya. Most doctors are going to pause and they're probably going to go, let's figure out what's going on. Let's fight for your health. Let's see if we can help you overcome. Okay, we've ran some tests. Here's the news that we have. You have cancer. You have this. You have that. Here's the plan that we're going to follow to try to get you healthy. If you walked into the doctor and the first time they look at you and you said, I think I'm really sick, and they say, yep, you're going to die. Sorry, I can't help you. You'd find yourself a new doctor. We think about God as our redeemer. He says, you're really sick, but I'm not going to leave you that way. You're really sick, so I'm going to fight for your salvation. I'm going to fight for you to overcome the disease, to secure our cooperation, though, in his salvation process. In, in, in his redeemer-to-sinner relationship, he issues a certain gospel, or known as grace commands, to us, showing us what we must do to, re to receive the salvation that he offers. He doesn't just download it and say, you're saved. We have to have a response. We have to interact in that relationship. We need this salvation because we've disobeyed the creator and his laws. He says, here's how to live. You say, no, I don't want to do that. What does that mean? I've sinned. Go back to Romans 1, 2, and 3. God's wrath cannot what? Interact with sin. So he says, I have a plan so that you can still be before almighty God. I'm going to show you what that is, he says. And because of our disobedience, we fall underneath that. To save us from the disaster, God assumes another role as creator. He now is that redeemer. And so now we have a redeemer to sinner relationship. And you start thinking about this. God creator to creature relationship. God redeemer to sinner relationship. Is that possible? Yes, it's possible. Because you can have multiple kind of relationships with people within your life, as your kids start to grow, when they're younger, you're much more parent and you much more put laws and rules. As they get older, your kids now, they're still your son or daughter, but now they become your friends. Many of us have walked in that relationship and you see that happen. So you can have dual or multiple kind of relationships within one relationship. When you're sick, you don't call the government. Please don't do that. You're sick, you're not going to call your legislator. You're not going to call a law lawmaker. You're not going to call a judge. You're going to call your doctor. And a role as a doctor, deliverer, redeemer, God tells us how to get well and how to stay well. And so God, our great physician, our Savior and Redeemer, can and will deliver us from sins, penalty, and disease, but he'll only do it if what? If we will follow his instructions. He has a plan. The instructions are the form of his commands. They are not law commands. They are gospel, or you could call them faith commands. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? That's what we're totally unpacking as we go. These commands are kind of like going to the earthly doctor, and the doctor says, take these, these three kind of pills. Do this kind of resting reg regimen. I want you to follow this and this, and you will probably be okay, and you won't die. But if you ignore my instructions, you're probably going to face death. That's what God's Redeemer is. Obedience to the gospel commands is not the same as what Paul calls works of law. Obedience to works of law cannot, hear me again, obedience to works of law. I read God's word and I say I'm going to obey God's word. He wants us to do that, but obedience to works of law cannot 
will never lead to salvation. You hear me? Got to get that. Study my Bible, read my Bible, understand my Bible, try to follow my Bible the best I can, but following those works of law that are within the Bible do not lead to salvation, but obedience to the gospel commands that, again, we find in our Bible, that does lead to salvation. Acts 6, and the word of God continued to increase. And a number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Who were the priests? Well, they were teachers of the law system. They became obedient to the faith. This is the same expression as obedience to the gospel. We see it again in Romans chapter 10. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Obeyed the gospel. He's talking about the faith commands. We do not obey statements or questions or promises. We obey commands from God. And he gives us faith commands. If there's such a thing as obedience to the gospel, then there must be gospel commands, right? And if he's talking about in both of those passages of Scripture that they're obedient to the gospel, well, what are those gospel commands? Obey the gospel is what sinners must do to receive salvation. And these are acts of obedience that Paul is going to start unpacking as we walk through Scripture of believing and repenting and confessing and being baptized. And he makes the argument that this is all actions of faith and this is where you receive salvation. They are works in a generic sense of things that we do. But they're not works of law as Paul uses the term. For Paul, the works that cannot save us are works of law, not the things we do, and obedience to the gospel commands. And so how does Paul sum up this idea of gospel commands? In a real short one word, he says faith. We are justified by faith apart from works. And faith is just an agreement. It includes an agreement. It's a judgment of the mind that certain statements are true. And you say in your mind, I believe that's true. It's a trust. It's a decision of the will to surrender something of value to the care of someone else. I trust my life into the care of God's hands. That's faith. In this verse, faith stands for everything involved in obedience of faith. This is distinct from works of law. Think of it like writing shorthand. At least for those of us who are older who understand shorthand, you sit down and take notes and you do shorthand writing. Or think about abbreviated text messages, like when you put BTW for between or, or just real short in a text message. That's what Paul's doing here. He's putting real short and he's saying, listen, you have works, which stands for works of law, or you have faith, which means faith commands or obedience to the gospel commands. Real short. The key of faith that opens the gate to heaven involves faith and repentance and confession and baptism. Paul says, that's the key of faith. Are you holding it? Are you living by it? Are you letting that be the thing that unlocks the gate to heaven? The blood of Christ is the key that unlocks heaven's gates. When we put our trust in Jesus through faith, we're admitting our own helplessness and our total reliance on him for salvation. And Paul writes a very crucial phrase that we cannot overlook when he says, apart from. You see it in verse 28. You see it in chapter 4, verse 6. You saw it last week where he says, apart from. The two possible keys to heaven, works of law and faith are exclusive. It's either, it's either or choice. It's either one or the other. It cannot be both. Once you start to use one, then you can't flip and use the other. He says, that doesn't work. You have to choose one. Are you trusting it in the blood of Jesus? Verse 25, we talked about last week. Because the blood of Jesus is what we put our faith in. That, this is what determines if we're justified and the key of faith works only 
apart from the works of law. So it's outside of the law. This means God justifies us by faith apart from a consideration of how we have responded to his law commandments, especially apart from a consideration of our sins. Stop and think with me for a moment. To be justified apart from works of law means that God does not take our sins into account. That should get a big amen. I'm tired. You stop and think, you mean, you mean God doesn't have a checklist over here of all my sin and God doesn't have a checklist over here of all my good things that I do? He doesn't keep a list and hopefully my list of my good is better than my bad? He doesn't do that. If we live in faith, you walk in faith, God's not looking at how many good things you've done compared to your bad things. We are justified, we are forgiven if we have responded positively to the gospel commands. We respond positively to gospel commands. He says, I give you faith, I give you grace, I put it on, I give you salvation, the key to heaven, it's open. Now we've covered two very important concepts in about 25 minutes today. Again, that people have debated and studied and wrestled with for ages it might take more time to completely understand it. With the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe we can. We'll be coming back to these concepts as we make our ways through Romans. But let me summarize this in a simple chart. You might want to take a picture of this and just ponder on it. Think about this. God as creator, he gives us law commands, directions how to live life is what those are. When we respond with works of law, that's works, it's how God wants you to live. So when you see works in Romans, they're talking about this is how God wants us to live. This is how we get the best out of life, so to speak. God is Redeemer. He gives us gospel commands. We respond with obedience of faith, obedience to the gospel. He summarizes that in one simple word. It's faith, and this is how God wants you to be saved. So when you wrestle through these concepts, as we read through Romans, you think about works. No, works is how I obey the laws of God and how I live in this life and how I get the best out of this life because I follow his plan where faith is still an action, but it's the saving actions of putting my trust and my faith in him in terms of the gospel commands. We're talking about faith system versus a work system. Again, Paul's just starting to introduce us to this concept. So we'll continue wrestling through them. Paul is telling us why faith system is better than a work system. He says in verse 27, it eliminates all boasting. Nobody can say, I'm going to heaven because of what I did. Look at me. He's like, you can't do that. The only way you can get to heaven is you say, no, look what Christ did, and I believe in what Christ did. It's equally available to all. Verse 29 and 30, he says, Gentile. He says, Jew. He says, Abraham. He's just bringing the mindset, listen, this salvation is for everybody, young and old, black or white, language that you speak different. It doesn't matter where you come from, good background, bad background, full sin, not a lot of sin. It doesn't matter. It's for everybody. Paul said, laying that out. It allows us to use the law commands for their purpose. For the proper purpose, which is sanctification, not justification. Justification, nope, you don't have to pay the penalty. Sanctification, what God does inside of us is he changes us to be more like Christ. And that work is allowed, is allowed when we understand what the law commands are for. Under the faith system, heaven's a free gift. Not, it's not wages to be earned. Under the faith system, God says, here you go. Put your faith in me. Here you go. Keys to heaven. The gate is open. Come on in. In the faith system, your sins, get this, 
in the faith system, your sins do not keep you out of heaven. Did you all hear what I just said? In the faith system, your sins do not keep you out of heaven. You mean the sins in the past when I was a dirty scoundrel? Nope, doesn't keep you out of heaven. You mean the sins right now I'm living it? Nope, doesn't keep you out of heaven. You mean the sins in the future that I might commit? Doesn't keep you out of heaven. Now that means, we're going to get into this a little bit later too, that doesn't give us a license to sin. And Paul's going to explain that later. Like, don't, don't just say, all right, God, good. I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do. Party up, live it up. I'm going to heaven. No, there's, there's some guidance about that as well. i got to kind of remind us of that because I don't want you to walk out of here. Hey, preacher, so I can just live a sin-filled life and have a lot of fun. I'm still going to heaven. That's not what Paul, Paul will explain that later. But your sin doesn't keep you out of heaven as long as your faith is in Jesus. And lastly, salvation by faith does not eliminate works of law from our Christian lives. The works of law show us how to live and how to be sanctified. And so we need the scriptures. We need the Old and the New Testament. Trying to be saved by works, works the law system, is like trying to give yourself open-heart surgery with a do-it-yourself kit. Imagine you get on Amazon today. Man, my heart's been bad. I need a new kit. Arrives tomorrow. Honey, come on in here. We're going to do this by ourselves right here on the kitchen table. You'd be crazy. There's no way you'll do that. But that's what we try to do when we try to live by the work system. Salvation through faith, the grace system, on the other hand, is like trusting yourself into the hands of the very best surgeon. Who's the surgeon? God Almighty. God, I put my, my life into your hands. I trust you with all of it. I trust you for my salvation. I trust you to cover my sin. I trust the blood of Jesus take care of all of it. And I know I can trust you because you've proven so true over and over and over and over again. We have a choice, church. We have a choice of our faith now and our faith continually. Let me just ask you, are you choosing wisely? Father God,